Well, hello, good morning, everyone in Leicester and in Manchester. And as Lucy said, wherever you're watching or listening this morning, um, just pray again that the presence and the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus would just flood into our hearts. Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump back into our series that we've, we've been in. We've obviously hit pause over the last couple of weeks, appropriately and rightly, because of what we're working through and walking through as a, as a church community. But we, we feel it's really important to, to pick up this series again. Um, so I'm going to be jumping into chapter four. Um, really looking at just a few verses, chapter four, verse four to nine. And then next week, it's Easter, as Lucy has brilliantly said. We're looking forward to just t- a time of it, like celebrating Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And then the week after next, our friend Emma Hodges, who's part of the senior team here, will be picking up the rest of chapter four. Well, her, the section that she's going to be speaking from, from chapter four. So I'm looking forward to that as well. We are. So if you have a Bible, turn to Philippians 4. It will come up on the, on the screen. So I believe kind of here when I read it. So uh, let's read together. Philippians 4 from verse 4. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Then Paul goes on to say, whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, put these things into practice and the peace of God or the God of peace will be with you. Now, this chunk of scripture, I'm, sh- I'm sure for many of you, many of you might have walked with Jesus for many, many, many years. And you know, this is the go-to place when anxiety hits or you're just looking for peace. And I know for me, it's become a very familiar place, a well, if you like, that I go to time and time again to find comfort in calamity, in confusion, in anxiety, and in chaos. It's often the pl- place that I turn. When, when, when feelings get wobbled, if you like, when life feels wobbled and shaken, this is truth to hold on to. So friends, church, I want to say this is truth to hold on to, not just wishful thinking. This is truth that we get to hold on to. Here, we learn, I believe, Paul is trying to in- instruct or encourage us through God to say, this is how you strengthen not only your heart, but your mind. God wants us to have robust and strong hearts and minds. And I just want to pull some things out of here. This isn't going to be rocket science. This might be very familiar territory for you, but do you know there's nothing new under the sun? I think simple truths need to, need to do something in our hearts again, right? So we're just going to walk through these few verses and then I'm going to comment. I want to pick up this first thing. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. Now, this, this, I don't know where you find yourself. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says it twice. Man, this is challenge number one right here, right? Not just when things are going well, but Paul is saying always. Rejoice always. For Paul, this isn't just a happiness. Uh, I guess a, that's, 
dependent on an external circumstance or situation that things are going well so you can rejoice. This isn't just a passing happiness. This is about having a deep-rooted, fixed security in the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the faithfulness of God. That's, that's where you can be glad. That's where you can you root your rejoicing, if you like. It's leaning into the grace of God. This is what I believe Paul is saying here. Regardless of what's going on, the grace of God is sufficient for you. The grace of God is always, always there for you. And friends, I think this is so important for us. So important for us, regardless of what we're going through, to remain conscious of the grace and the goodness of God. Grace is scandalous, absolutely scandalous. You don't deserve it, I don't deserve it. It's God's unmerited favour in Christ for you, for me. And that's why I think Paul can say it twice. (laughs) He's saying, remain conscious, rejoice in the grace of God. And I say it again, rejoice in the grace and the goodness of God. Then he goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. I don't know what that looks like for you. Let your gentle spirit be known to all. Some translations say, I always struggle with this word, (laughs) reasonableness. Let your reasonableness be evident. Man, what does that look like? There's this disposition that Paul is saying we should live in. Not thinking of ourselves first. And we looked at that, if you remember, several weeks ago now. How you put others before yourself is connected to here, connected to this. Let your gentleness, let your reasonableness be known to all. It's not about you. But what, what's it look like to have the care, the concerns, the, the needs, the thoughts of others first? Let that be evident amongst yourselves. He, he's reiterating these things throughout this letter. So let me ask us a question. What, what's that like for us? What's that like for you? I find this a challenge at times because, again, man, often I want it to be about me. I want you to be gentle to me. I want you to be reasonable towards me. But what would it look like for us to have this mind where, man, I just, we're just going to let our gentleness be evident to all, on display. He says, the Lord is near, close, nearby, at hand. Friends, as believers, man, this is what it's all about. Jesus is near. Jesus is near. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, we, we remember this at Christmas, but it's not just a passing message for Christmas. This is something that we get to live in the reality of every single day. Jesus is near. Jesus is near. Jesus is close. He's nearby. He's at hand. Some translations say he's he's at hand. This is such an important concept for us to hold on to. Through every season of life, God is near. For all the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs, God's near. Through the pains and the confusions and the calamities, God is near, he's with you, he's with me. Through every trial and pain, he's near, he's always present, he's always at hand, he's always close. This is something that the Christian faith has above everything else that we need to know, Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. That's why he can say, so because God's with you, because God's at hand, don't be anxious. (laughs) Don't be anxious. Easy to say, right? Looking down the barrel of this camp, don't be anxious. And very often we think, well, if only you knew what we're going through. If only you knew what I was going through. 
But here's an instruction from Paul. It's like an imperative, nothing. Don't let anything cause anxiety or maybe a better way to understand it or to, to, to let it land is don't let your hearts and your minds be overcome and ruled with anxiety. Paul says it elsewhere. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. Don't let anxiety rule in your heart. It's easy to say, right? Oh, man. Anxiety is something we'll all experience. Every single last one of us. Maybe you woke up today gripped with, crippled with anxiety. Maybe you go to bed every night with anxiety. Maybe you've struggled for months, for weeks, for decades with anxiety. I really, really believe that you need to know the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And Paul is saying, you, you don't need to let anxiety rule in your hearts. Now, I don't say this as someone that's got it all together, right? I was diagnosed as a kid with OCD. And I've struggled most of my adult life with a compulsive disorder, whereas left to my own devices, man, I want to check everything. I want to check the fridge several times. I want to check foods cooked properly. I check everything. I'm a checker. And I've been crippled with anxiety. But I know from encountering Jesus bit by bit, he's saying, I'm near. I'm near you. And you don't, let, you don't need to let this rule your heart. And I know I've, I've, I've gained ground on it. I've gained ground on it. But left to my own mind, if I let, let my mind wander, my heart wander, man, anxiety grips me, cripples me. But I know, like Paul, in every situation, do not let it rule in your heart. Don't let anxiety, do not be anxious about anything. So I want to ask us a question. I want to ask you a question. What causes anxiety for you? What are those things that cause anxiety for you? Because nothing is too big for God. Paul tells us exactly where we can take it all. Wrap it all up in a bag or put it in, a, in your rucksack of life. Bring it to Jesus. Paul is saying that's why we can come in every situation. <laughs> rucksack of life, I don't know what that means. In every situation, bring it all to God. He says prayers, petitions, requests, bring it all. Paul is saying, the sum total, all of your heart, crack it open and bring it before Jesus. Everything, everything. Bring every worrying, every confusion, confusing, every, every hurtful, painful situation to Jesus. But he says this, this is a bit, this is the tension. He says, do it with thanksgiving. Now, that's not often the first way, is it? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for my struggles. That's not quite what Paul's saying here with thanksgiving. I think it's holding on to the tension. It's saying, bring your requests, your prayers, your petitions before God, acknowledging them, being vulnerable and open and honest, but knowing that you come before a loving, a merciful, a gracious, a faithful, a kind saviour. That's who you're coming to. And as you come, know, preempting his goodness, knowing that you're going to be met with kindness and goodness and mercy and grace. So then he says that when we do this, the peace that transcends all understanding. Don't be anxious, but in everything, bring it to him. And when we bring it all to him, his promise is that you will be met with a peace that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This peace guards us. It's not just this wishy-washy floaty wave that wafts over us. 
It's a peace that underpins and it guards us. It's like an iron girder that goes into the heart and the mind. Some translations say peace that surpasses comprehension. Surpass means to hold above or to be superior, to have authority and power over something. So I believe that's what Paul wants us to know, that Jesus' peace is far above everything. It goes beyond human reasoning and it's, it has authority and power over every calamity. It's remarkable. Do you know the ministry of Jesus is one of peace? The Bible is really clear. He's the Prince of Peace. I love that. Our Saviour, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. In Isaiah it says, of the government of his peace, there'll be no end. There'll be no end. You know, Lucy mentioned it earlier that today is the week before Easter. It's Palm Sunday. We're thinking, man, in a week's time, everything changed. Everything changed. He rose from death itself. Mm. But Jesus, Palm Sunday is the week before the cross where Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Goodness me, on a donkey. Like, this is the king of all glory. And he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the donkey traditionally, going into the city on a donkey was symbolizing, I come in peace. Like I'm coming on a donkey, I'm coming in here in peace. And he, not on a war horse, not waging war. He's, he's setting up his ministry for us, the Prince of Peace. But let's be clear, he went into Jerusalem on a donkey as the humble King of glory, sacrificial, humble, obedient servant to lay down his life for us. But he's coming back on a horse. Revelation is really clear. He's coming back on a war horse, bigger than any war horse you've ever seen. And he's coming back as the king of glory, the king of kings. His desire, though, is that we would be ruled by peace. It says in Colossians, like I've said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I'm going to finish with these two verses as well. Just a few more comments on these. Verse 8 and 9, the next few verses set up everything. It shows us how we can do all this because it starts in the mind. I believe it's about learning how to steward how we think and where we let our mind dwell and wander, if you like. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, it says, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put them into practice and the God of peace will be with you. you know, I really believe what we, what we allow into our hearts actually starts with our minds. Where we allow our minds to ponder and dwell and meditate, it's actually where I meditate is, will dictate my behaviour. What I believe in my mind will actually be actioned in my heart. The mind shapes the heart. We need to know that they are so together, the mind and the heart. It's like the control center of who we are. And we see this encouragement, don't we? Think about these things. Think about these things. Don't let your mind wander, but fix them somewhere. Rooted, fixed, secure, like an anchor. Colossians 3, 3, 2. I'm going to read the verse before that as well. Colossians 3 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
set your minds. This is verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your minds on things above. He's not saying just walk through life, just daydreaming. No, he's saying set your mind where you actually live, where you dwell, where your, your citizenship is, if you remember from weeks ago. Where we live now is seated, hidden with Christ in God. Remembering that Jesus is, like it says in these verses, true, he's noble, he's right, he's pure, he's lovely. Man, he is so lovely. He's admirable, he's excellent, he's praiseworthy. He is all these things that we are to set our mind on and more. So we fix our minds on him, our thoughts, our meditative lingerings. We fix them on Christ, knowing that you're lovely, Jesus. You're pure, Jesus. You're just, you're excellent. You are praiseworthy. That's where I'm going to fix my mind. See, it's learning to be deliberate with how we think. Learning to be deliberate. Don't let your mind just drift around. God encourages us in the word of God to take every harmful and negative thought captive. Says this in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take them captive and make them obey Christ. What does this look like? Okay, does what I'm thinking right now line up with who Jesus is? What Jesus says? Does it line up with the character and the nature and the goodness of God? If no, then you say, man, you don't get to land in my mind. You don't get to dwell in my mind. I'm going to kick you to the curb. You're going, to, you're going to need to leave. I'm going to take these thoughts captive and make them obey the goodness of Jesus. You know, the battle is often won or lost in the mind, how we think, where we dwell. I want to encourage you, friends, think about such things. What is pure, good, just, praiseworthy, excellent, and that's Jesus. It's important that we fill our minds with the things of God, the beauty of God, the character of God, the beauty of Jesus, the purposes of Jesus, who he is, understanding who we are, who he says we are, who he says you are. That's where you need to fix, fix your mind. We need to live from that place. We need to learn to think and live and dwell from where we are seated with Christ. So I'm going to invite the band back up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to hand back to to Ruth, to John, to Andy, just to lead us in just setting our hearts again on Jesus. But let's pray before I do that. Just want to invite you to hold any anxious thought, any anxiety that's crippled you, maybe for years, just before you. Hold it before Jesus right now. And know that whatever you faced, whatever you are facing, his peace surpasses comprehension. His peace far rules above it all. It is, has authority over your anxiety. Jesus has authority over you. His peace has authority over your anxiety. And his perfect love drives out all fear. So, dear wonderful Jesus, we come to you right now with our worry, our anxiety, maybe where our minds have wandered and got fixed on negative things, we take them captive and we force them to obey Jesus. We look to you, Jesus, our conquering King, our victorious risen Saviour, and we say you are far above everything. Your peace rules. So I pray right now for my friends listening and watching that your peace would rule in our hearts. 
for your precious name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. Amen.